Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 138. It's the first episode of 2017. Clearly, Amanda's already getting sick. Start the show with a cough. Getting sick. I think I've been sick for like months. Yeah, it's a, you get any form of virus that you get just locks in and it's the entire goddamn winter. Or, or worse, it's the entire spring or, or the summer. Or the house is giving me black lung. I mean, I, it's... <laughs> well, we got too much sunk into it. We can't move. We, we, can't, we can't leave here. The, the home office is the home office. Okay. I will. I think we may have to be buried here. It may be part of our contract with a mortgage company. I think you're right. So, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Cough away. All right. So, we survived 2016. We I did. think we're the only ones. Right down to the goddamn wire. <laughs> I think Betty White is okay. Betty White is still okay. That was the that was at the top of Reddit's uh, homepage <laughs> uh, in the morning on, on New Year's Day. Yeah. It was a picture of Betty White holding up a middle finger. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. I don't know whether it was in context or not. Either way, Reddit makes its own context. God bless it. But has somebody seen to the queen? Uh, I hear she also has a cold. I saw in the paper she has a cold. Um, <laughs> is that really going to break anybody's heart? I mean... <laughs> nah. Prince Charles is like the only geriatric prince in the whole goddamn world. He's just waiting for his shot. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, actually, our local comic store... Put together a Deadpool, <laughs> yeah, and, and we had to we had to have our names in before before New Year's Day. So we spent half of our New Year's Eve cheerily drinking and thinking about who we figured would die in 2017. Yeah, it's uh, I don't even remember who was on my list. Fats Domino was on my list. I, I put Lee Majors on mine. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? The $6 million man will live forever. <laughs> yeah, but what about the fall guy? Uh, I never watched the fall guy. Really? Uh, yeah. It's really? A, look, uh, Tanya Roberts, I could buy a poster. I didn't need to give an hour a week. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, what was his name? Cole Seaver? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. he was not bionic. He so, was not. So fuck him and fuck his Bronco. And What was the other show he was in with the cop? He was a cop. What was uh, that? Was that uh, him? With Heather Locklear or no, Heather that, Thomas? that or? was T.J. Hooker. T.J. Hooker. And, and oh, that, that was Shatner. Was, that was Shatner. Right. The, and don't forget the, the quality acting of Adrian Zmid, right. which sounds like <laughs> the kind of cold that you get that lasts, <laughs> that lasts all spring. It oh, does. Christ, I got the Zmid. <laughs> I don't think we can go anywhere this weekend. I got Zmid dripping out of every bodily orifice. <laughs> The show's already gone off the rails. It's just been that kind of a New Year's. And yeah, first of all, this is not our annual Crises Awards. It was equal opportunity, though. I also put Lindsay Wagner on my list. Oh, uh, (laughs) you know, I didn't go cruising for your childhood. I don't think. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even remember who else I put on it. I put Chuck Chuck Berry, but he was uh, he was denied because somebody else already had him. So yeah, that's just that's how bad 2016 was. I think both days I've opened up the newspaper and been like, "Has somebody won yet?" Because they're dying that fast. <laughs> so, but yeah, like I said, this is not our annual crises award. Uh, we may do that next week. We just haven't had time to to go through and s- make up our list. We're trying to think of dead people for Christ's sake. Exactly. So, so yeah, we'll probably this week go through and and come up with. Is, was Dan DiDio on your list? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, he was not. 
<laughs> Although, based on the last couple days, he's making his way back there. He's, he's getting back there. Because, <laughs> yeah, you fell asleep before I did going over New Year's. Yeah. So I was looking at Twitter as it went past midnight. <laughs> And Jeff Johns was on there listing the stuff that he's excited about for 2017. And some of it was fine, you know. Yep, okay, the Wonder Woman movie. I think we're all looking forward to that. So looking forward to more Captain Crunch? Uh, who isn't? Uh, <laughs> unless it's a euphemism for some form of fentanyl drug. No. I don't know. Uh, but he's uh, apparently there's going to be more DCW shows, or at least more DC shows on TV. And then the last one was just a big picture of Dave Gibbons' close-up of Dr. Manhattan. Mm. And it's like, oh, fuck. He was wrong and you knew it! <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think, well... I've known it's coming, but you know, maybe he's just sort of, you know, it's a wink and a nod. It's going to be part of the storyline that it doesn't, it's all happening off camera, maybe, because I've, I've begged on this show. It's just, all right, you used Watchmen to get Rebirth to happen, and that's fine. Now let's forget about it, because Rebirth's been really generally pretty fucking good. Just back away slowly from the stupidity of using Watchmen. Right, pretend it never had, pretend you never said anything. You don't. (laughs) You don't need to follow through, for Christ's sake. Just, you know, people will forget. <laughs> Nobody's screaming, I need to see Rorschach fight Ambush Bug. <laughs> Nobody is doing that. But apparently... Because we need more, you know, lovingly drawn panels of Dr. Manhattan's blue wing. It's... <laughs> I, I'd honestly like to see the more slapdash. <laughs> <laughs> make me feel better about me. No, just a... <laughs> Just, just a just smudge. Put, just, just, just put one <laughs> hand over your eyes and just sort of draw. <laughs> so, so it's it's wildly out of proportion from panel to panel. He is the master of time, space, and dimension, <laughs> and clearly he's ruled by his dick because all he cared about was Lori through the whole thing. And as soon as she left, and he wasn't getting his dick wet, mm. <laughs> that's when he became inhuman. So he's focused on that. It's just fine. He's just trying different combinations. <laughs> Just weirdly shaped, tumorous looking like, wangs. Like a balloon animal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Look, I made pregnant poodle. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, John, is that a poodle? With <laughs> a parrot in a swing? What, I don't know. what am I seeing there? <laughs> so, yeah, I was hoping they'd forget about it, but clearly it didn't happen because, yeah, Danda Dio, either yesterday or today, we're taping this on Monday. Um, it, Put on Facebook, you know, DC heroes meet the Watchmen this year. And it's like, oh, God damn it. Do we have to do that? Lissai. <laughs> the sad thing is, it, it bums me out because yeah, I've, I've forced myself to forget about it. Yeah. This week made it hard because there were two DC rebirth issues that brought yeah. the Watchmen shit back in. It was Detective Comics and, and Titans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Titans went so far as to, yeah, name check. Dr. Manhattan. So it's going to come, but... At what cost? Hey, it's still better than what Marvel's been doing oh. since Secret Wars. We're, we're going to talk We're gonna talk about yeah. uh, Civil War. Civil War II, two number eight, dropped this past week. And mentioning on social media from DC's end, oh, yeah, they're going to meet Watchmen. It was like their attempt to say, no, we can suck, too. <laughs> we're still there for you. <laughs> It's, that's why Dr. Manhattan's dick is going to look weird, because we'll go days without sleep to stomp on our own. <laughs> They've stepped on our dick so often, we don't know what a normal-looking wang looks like anymore. Pregnant poodle. <laughs> oh, God. 
I, I can't rant too much about the Watchmen shit anymore. I, I really sort of intended to, but then, yeah, Civil War Two number eight was so fucking bad. Epically. And horrifically. And, and we originally thought, I mean, we've got some stuff to talk about. It, originally, it's because uh, I was traveling for the holidays. We weren't able to put our list together for the Crises Awards, but we figured, hey, Doctor Who's back. Yeah. The Doctor Who Christmas special, which is the first Doctor Who in a year. Plus, it's a superhero story. So we figured, yeah, all right, fine. That's what we'll do this week's show about. We'll you know, certainly have a great deal to talk about because it's, it hasn't haven't had any stories in a year, so it'll advance the main plot, and I'm sure they'll have something interesting to do with superheroes. I just wanted to see it because I saw a really cryptic tweet from Mark Wade as it was being originally broadcast. He's like, Moffat, stay in your lane. <laughs> like, all right, I gotta know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think Stephen Moffat, the showrunner of Doctor Who, has a uh, bright history at DC. <laughs> uh, he he clearly has seen the first Superman movie a bunch of times. Yeah. Let's still talk about it because we watched the thing <laughs> twice, trying to ring out. You know, again going into it hoping it's like, yeah, all right, it'll show the direction because there's been rumors that uh, Peter Capaldi is going to leave as the Doctor. Now, there hasn't been any new stories. We know a new companion's coming. Maybe we'd get an introduction to her in this. Instead, it was, that was fine. <laughs> and there was a tangential reference to fucking Clara, because at some point they're like, call Osgood. Like, unit was involved. and <laughs> Yeah. It's like, can't we just let her go? Uh, no, no, we can't. <laughs> let her go. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you're the big Doctor Who fan here. There's been no Doctor Who for a year. My first note here is, that was fine. Literally, this. <laughs> I, I I like Capaldi. I I think this now more than ever um, is me really looking forward to the departure of Moffat. <laughs> now, is this officially his last season? Has he announced that? I th- I think so. Um, I think actually, maybe the new guy starting sooner than later. I have to check. But yeah, there was some news over the summer or the fall, and again, you follow Doctor Who. Far more closely. But less and less, because uh, the last couple of seasons for me have been uneven and have just sort of, I've tuned out, I've watched them, but I've tuned out of a bunch of it. Like today, you you brought up like that one of the characters had shown up previously. I was like, oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and I know his name is here in my notes someplace. Um, Nardle. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who actually, um, I, I went and I looked it up and he was an employee of River Songs right um, around the time that Song met the Capaldi incarnation of Doctor Who and events happened and he literally lost his head. And then after the 24-year honeymoon and subsequent death of River Song, the Doctor needed a companion to keep him company, so he rebuilt Nardle. <laughs> I mean, that that was one good thing about this it seems like there've been a bunch of christmas specials recently that either because it's that either bring back old companions or introduce new ones mm. cuz the big anniversary issue we got something in the guise of rose yeah. and we had oswin who was uh, stuck in a dalek that was a few years ago and yeah going back to donna noble right yep oh jesus donna noble <laughs> Note to self, when recording show, turn the fucking virus scanner off. <laughs> uh, yes, caller, you're on the air. No, it was <laughs> just fucking Windows Defender saying, hey, you've got no viruses. I knew that! Okay. <laughs> it was just reminding you. You should feel happy. Oh. <laughs> you're clean. 
No, there's, I'm not. There's no digital syphilis there at all. <laughs> Clean is not <laughs> is not the word I would use right now. So yes, yeah, so the, at least it was refreshing. It wasn't you know, hey, let's get back to a pseudo goddamn love story for the doctor yeah. uh, that we seem to have gotten over and over again. I would like this next season to function in two two capacities. I would like um, as much as you know, yeah, you're getting a new companion. I would like the stories to be about the doctor and and not about the companion as surrogate for the rest of us. Like she can be there, but I, I'd like the stories to be doctor centric rather than companion centric. Yeah, that was last season. It was, I want to say mostly, but yeah, actually, it was mostly uh, yeah about Clara and how being with the doctor affected her and fucked up her relationships. Yeah, I'm all set with that. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. that's fair enough. This episode did not do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I would also like there to to not be any, oh gosh, he's so dreamy. I would like him to be my boyfriend. Or can there be weird, um, possibly imaginary tension between us? Like, <laughs> Yeah, but that hasn't really happened since Capaldi's been there just because uh, he's old and it's TV. No, and but we I don't do they, that with old people on they, TV. No, the, but that's why they brought in a female master, Missy, so that they could have some sort of like, you know, isn't it adorable there's tension because God forbid there not be the sexy times on the TV. Uh, did they do that in the old, old ones? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm asking. I didn't, the special effects of those were shit. I'm from the Star Wars generation. No, Tom Baker those. and Layla Ward fucked in their own time off screen. <laughs> <laughs> You gonna be okay? Well award, I think. Anyway, can I can I get you a glass of rye? <laughs> Will that help calm things down? You fuck off screen. <laughs> they got my dick in it. <laughs> get it out of your system. Okay. Then come to work. All right. So so no no sexual tension. You don't want any sexual to no because there really wasn't here even between the goddamn. Well, there <laughs> there was between the superhero and the uh, well. Do we want to start talking about the the superhero part? Because it was it really was uh, yeah. Stephen Moffat saying I've seen Superman the movie a lot, and I don't want to spend a lot of money on special effects. <laughs> yeah, we were back to some pretty shitty special effects. For, yeah, for this one. Yeah, it's a, you'll believe a man can fly, but not well or linearly. <laughs> you'll you, you'll believe a man can be hoisted by wires that may be kind of digitally cropped out. Yeah, but don't worry, you'll be distracted by the shitty American accents oh. that everybody tries to chuck at the screen. Yeah, yeah that was it's like, no bueno. You were particularly irritated, <laughs> and I get why they did it. They they use some some term for substitute oh, yeah, teacher. They, they had um, Capaldi show up when Grant the the would-be hero's name was Grant, um, showed up at, in his teen, teenage years in a bit that they clearly cribbed um, actually from Man of Steel. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it was played more for horror in Man of Steel than sort of the, you know, wink and a laugh. And of course you'd look at naked chicks yeah. if you had x-ray vision. But he's like, I, I'm your relief algebra teacher. Like, nobody fucking calls it that here. If you're going to have people go out of their way to have American accents, no matter how shitty, research the fucking dialect. It's it's Google. You Substitute te- uh, relief teacher in America. Oh, substitute right. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, but at the same time, this is for a British audience. We are secondary. Moffat's done yeoman's work in making it, uh, at least with uh, with the last guy, you know, a big American. <laughs> and then, and then there was some comment later on after the bad guy was finally defeated. Like, oh, and Unit is on its way to investigate your office. Unit's never had a New York branch. <laughs> Unit lives in England. <laughs> 
I, I beg your pardon. New York's full of fucking units. <laughs> Fuck New York. It's all... Oh, yeah. Sometimes being from Boston just comes, uh, just comes right out. Sorry about that. So anyway, looking at the story from, from soup to nuts, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. So if you haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to spoil it. Uh, you nothing seen happens. It yet, you didn't really miss much. Yeah. The- <laughs> uh, if you've seen Superman, you saw it. No Doctor Who plot was really advanced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad Doctor is sad. Um, there you go. That's so. a possible title. <laughs> the, uh, the opening has a young Grant. I don't. Do we even learn his last name? Uh, in the episode, I don't know. I, don't I know when did. I saw it online, it, it's something that started uh, with a G. Oh, okay. Because you know we go alliteration. With yeah, yeah. Because his his would be girlfriend that he's been lusting after, Lucy. Her last name is Lombardo, but only by marriage because it really is Fletcher. Because you know we're we're trying to not completely rip things off. Superman, Lana Lang. <laughs> Yeah, but Lois Lane. But yeah, we've got. But to she's get to, a reporter. Yeah. Oh, it was totally <laughs> so bad. All right, so the it starts with the doctor um, gaining access to this kid's apartment for reasons, and uh, he is let in because mom says it's okay because mom thinks it's a silly soup, uh, Santa Claus thing. Well, even the, though they're like in New York City, mom, a strange man would like to come into the apartment. Okay. The I, I will. Say that felt a little weird until we realized they're on the 60th floor. Yeah. You know, so if you're a parent on the 60th floor and somebody says a man wants to come in the window, uh, you're probably going to think maybe the kid's riffing on Santa. In New York? <laughs> in the 80s? <laughs> now, uh, maybe. I don't know. No. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Taxi Driver. That was more 70s and... As I recall, uh, in like the early 80s when I went to visit on an eighth grade trip, Times Square was not yet Disneyfied. Yeah, but we're talking about two different things. There's, there's a difference between keeping your wallet in your front pocket so you can keep your hand on it <laughs> and, and setting up defensive weapons on the 60th floor just in case somebody repels in like fucking <laughs> Indiana Jones or ninjas. Ninjas were in all the press. They weren't busting windows in in Midtown. I, I, I will defer to any of our, our listeners who want to email in about their experiences living in New York City in the 80s. And <laughs> even if it's not true, email us a story. That'd be a good start. <laughs> I was on the 60th floor in 1982, and Travis Bickle with a mohawk <laughs> kicked my window in. He said, throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. <laughs> anyway. Death Wish 8, <laughs> defend your windows. So, in any event... Uh, the doctor has some sort of magical contraption set up on the roof of their building um, that's supposed to light up like a Christmas tree because reasons. And <laughs> of course, <laughs> he needs um, a very tiny gemstone that he is entrusted to this kid for two seconds, who clearly has a cold and thinks it's a Sudafed. <laughs> the world's biggest Sudafed. <laughs> it was like the size of a twenty-sided die. Like it, it was a twenty-sided die. I've I've looked at it twice now. <laughs> that was a twenty-sided die that he gave him. Which, on one hand, I kind of like, because it's like, yeah. okay, it's kind of a wink and a nod to, yeah, superhero fiction before the big superhero movie, boom. And the kid had superhero shit all over all yeah. his walls, which is also a problem, but I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, yeah, the idea of comics and role-playing games as escapism. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, 20-sided die, kind of nice nod at that. On the other hand, if 20-sided dice could give you fucking superpowers, my entire high school drama club would be flying to work tomorrow morning. Well, I don't know about you. When I was eight, I knew what a 20-sided die was, and I probably wasn't going to put it in my mouth and try and swallow it. 
True. <laughs> Particularly if it was glowing. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, that was day after kind of shit at that point. Uh, I'm a strange man with a foreign accent. I just came in your 60th floor window. <laughs> Eat this. Eat it. <laughs> I mean, he was coming off like, you know, what had been a wonderful honeymoon followed by an awful, tragic thing. He wasn't thinking straight. He gave the kid a choking hazard. But... <laughs> <laughs> You know. <laughs> Here, have this 20-sided die, this uh, Colonial Viper playset with uh, an original Boba Fett that fires the rocket. And then suck my dick, because if you get through all that, you got no gag reflex, kid. Jesus. <laughs> I've gone too far. Yeah, yeah. That's anyway. Okay. So we have the Doctor as, as being the origin story for the only known superhuman on the planet, because it's the Doctor, so that's why we have super-powered people, or at least this one. Yeah, on one hand, I wanted to be like, yeah, oh, of course, only through the doctor can American superhero get his powers. But uh, you know, I'll I'll accept it because uh, what the hell? It's not like we're breaking any new ground here. You know, the the show was not called The Ghost, true, or Superman one point five, the quest for plot. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was I was kind of irritated to start with, but uh, <laughs> I, I was willing to accept that. Flash forward to years later after telling the kid, you have superpowers now. You must never use them because he's all like Kevin Costner all of a sudden from Man of Steel. I'm seeing more and more Man of Steel parallels and it's making me angry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing more of that, honestly. Well, not not more than Superman the movie because God knows Superman the movie was all over this like stink on shit. It seems to me that if you have unwittingly given a kid superpowers and you're a time and space traveler, and you're worried about him using them, why are you not taking him away in your magical time and space box so that you can keep a fucking eye on him? Because uh, <laughs> that's kidnapping. <laughs> He's a, he can come back later and drop him off. <laughs> like, yeah, but when it, it's one thing when it's somebody in their 20s and it's six months. Another thing when it's an eight-year-old, you know, drop him off six months, you know, suddenly when somebody, oh, that's, that's a hell of a growth spurt. Overnight. Leave a hologram. Do some, he's got technology. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just leave a fucking blow-up doll. <laughs> I mean, his parents clearly don't care about him anyway. Yeah, let the strange man in. That's fine. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Go back to bed, Grant. Where's my son? The ninjas came in the 60th floor and got my boy. Yeah. So yeah, just yeah, just missing child. We were all concerned. Every my parents thought I was going to be a missing child every goddamn stranger day through the eighties. Yeah, we had stranger danger. It was either going to be the nukes or the perverts. Yeah, I shouldn't be this old based on what I saw in the news in the eighties. <laughs> but yes, they probably should have done something. Just saying, uh, you have superpowers. Don't do that. Yeah, that's not going to work with an eight year old. That thing you're doing, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> the kid couldn't demonstrate like the wherewithal to not swallow a twenty sided die. Indeed, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you on that. It's but uh, after a certain point, put him in the TARDIS, cover him in bubble wrap. <laughs> Look, they had to get from plot point A to plot point B. Yes, yes. You know, so. and, and at that point, you're committing to fine. This uh, this child is now the companion for the next <laughs> season, and nobody wants that. It's a Christmas episode. Usually when they introduce a companion, they don't stick around much after that. I mean, they've, they've gotten away from that. So now, yes, we've had Clara. Donna was the first really cool one to ever come back. But generally, like, you know, there was like the Kylie Mignogue one one year. I was like, oh, she was really cool. Oh, she's gone. Okay. So it's- <laughs> well, she thought she had a singing career or something to go back to. <laughs> 
So in any event, um, just saying that Grant is no Madame Vastra. <laughs> Man, that's damning with faint praise. Anyway. <laughs> to to speed things up, so Grant, because um, he's a hero and he you know, gets to do manly things in a mask, uh, to demonstrate that he's also a well-rounded individual um, and completely, totally not somebody who's been friend-zoned in any way. He has been a, a nanny now for the last year or two for um, the woman that he's been in love with who uh, didn't want him and uh, got married to his best friend who, being an asshole, then ran off because she got preggers and found another woman who was not preggers. I would question, if I'm Grant the ghost, (laughs) I would question my just taste in human beings at that point. (laughs) I'm in love with her, and she just looks right through me to fuck my friend. My best friend, who then runs off, because I clearly can't judge his character very well. Yeah. And so, But I'm still going to project that this woman who allows me to address her as Mrs. Lombard, I've known her since I'm eight, I call her Mrs. Lombard, because professional, weird, It's he comes across as like a creepazoid cuckold freak. It's like he's, yeah. he, he just has to sacrifice and... If I stay here and wipe up her baby's poop, maybe she'll love me. Yeah, I guess. it's The whole relationship was weird, and weird in a way that never really was in Superman, because we never got the implication that it's flat out, yeah, he didn't know Lois as a kid. No. They met as adults, and he had the secret to keep. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, w- I would go so far as to say that... Um, Tom Welling and uh, the Pink Ranger, what's her face, uh, had more chemistry as high schoolers growing up together <laughs> on Smallville than Grant and Mrs. Lombard. The whole relationship was an attempt to get the old Superman Lois Lane from yeah. pre-crisis. And they hired an actress who looked vaguely like Amy Adams now that I think about it. Or who, who is, is that who plays Lois yeah. now? Okay, yeah. Nah, I guess. I'd have to look at a picture. Vaguely, like if you squint. I squinted through a lot of this show and not not to see if you unfocus your like eyes who. and kind of tilt your head. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably how I should have watched it. Um, yeah, it's there. Really, there just was not a lot here for a comic fan who might be trying Doctor Who for the first time. Yeah, and I'm not sure those demographics are even split in the 21st century that you can have a comic fan who doesn't at least enjoy Doctor Who, but it. Theoretically, you could drag in comic fans who who don't like it with this because yeah, it was it was nothing but a riff on Superman with no particular insight into the character at all. No, you know, Grant is a superhero because he has superpowers. Period. That's there's, very Silver Age. There's no <laughs> other motive. Yeah, that's Silver Age, Golden Age is a perfectly good reason, but it does not hold up in the 21st century. Yeah, it just doesn't. And uh, yeah, the. Uh, Everything was wrapped up in that old Superman iconography. Yeah. And and also, I'm sorry, like the whole the the one line of dialogue that actually rang true was when the doctor gave Grant shit about not being right there for the baby because he was out busy being a superhero. And he said something like, you know, a, a real man wouldn't leave the baby. <laughs> yeah, but I, I respect how it was written to come back with that. Is that. I've got super speed. I can be back here even faster than any other nanny could get across, the, across the building. Yeah. My point being, though, that 
to be going out and and leaving the baby for no matter how long. This is your job. <laughs> you, you don't do that. That's not responsible. Parent, you're not parenting. He's nannying, but that's well, not responsible. Well, yeah, but it's again the quest for plot. <laughs> They they set this up, and it's like, okay, and we need him to also be a superhero. Well, we need to explain that somehow. Yeah. But, yeah, it does kind of ring wrong, so fine. We'll have the doctor address it, but here's the reason. Okay, are we done? Because we've got a hard fucking stop. This needs to be in the can for December 24th. Can we go forward <laughs> now, for fuck's sake? The yeah. quest for plot. <laughs> I mean, that's really what half of this was. It's... <laughs> The, the the whole concept of, oh, I introduced her to my best friend and he fucked her and then left so that I could be a nanny. It's like, no, what you have here is fine. We'll have him be a nanny. Well, all right, we need reasons for that. We'll, we'll backfill that later. His personal relationships are his kryptonite. <laughs> Ugh, I think his brain damage is his fucking kryptonite. <laughs> his boners is kryptonite. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Because, yeah, going back to that scene, uh, oh, in high school, yeah, if I have x-ray vision, all I can see is people naked. And and he's known as the creepy kid who always stares at the floor. No, in real life, he'd be the creepy kid who jacks off in the men's room five times a day so ah, he can shit, we found Grant in the band room again. <laughs> he blew a hole in the wall somehow. <laughs> he does it like five times a day. Everything smells like bleach and there's holes in the wall. Why did he do the tuba? <laughs> Oh, uh, the spit valve shouldn't work this way. <laughs> <laughs> and we're 12. Well, duh. <laughs> First time being on this show. So so bad brains are sort of the, the overall theme of, of this, because then the bad guy is literally a living brain trying to take over host bodies. <laughs> I, I guess. Is that a segue? <laughs> it just occurred to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, and again... It, they they were cheesy fucking. I mean, granted, Doctor Who's special effects have never been great, but the, the special effects between the uh, the flying and the living brains, it just was a whole new level of this is cheesy as fuck and takes you out of the show. <laughs> yeah, the best special effects were the heads that split open. And yeah, had and the gone. TARDIS TARDIS looked pretty good this time. Well, the TARDIS always looks good, but they, they have those computer files down already. Yeah. You don't need to break new ground with that. <laughs> but yeah, the heads that split open, you know, to put a gun in them, why you'd store your gun there, I don't know. It's still going to set off, set off a metal detector. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're sticking a Glock in there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. And even that won't work very well. Yeah. It didn't do a hell of a lot for me. Usually, at the very least, with the Christmas specials, they tie it to the idea of Christmas in some way. Beyond just this is happening at Christmas, and there was no like this relates to the greater message of Christmas because dot dot dot. Yeah, uh, that's true. Christmas is much more front and center. The the opening scene, yeah, it's Christmas time, so that's why he opens the window. Yeah, because uh, oh, I think it's Santa, not ninjas. It's Santa coming <laughs> in. And when the doctor, you know, inevitably saves the day, he reminds Grant, "Yeah, no, I'm back now. You." You cannot be a superhero anymore. Like, I told you no. Nah, I, I still I, mean no. I, no. Gu- I guarantee you we'll see him later on. That, that's too I hope big. So. That's too big a point left open. I don't I don't care if I see him again. There was nothing particularly compelling about the character. No, I, I hope so insofar as one of my irritations with the doctor as Moffat has been writing him, and it's not just Moffat, but I, I think it's just sort of worn on me over time, is the doctor has this very paternalistic 
um, view of of his role on Earth. And if he says no and you don't do what he says, there will be consequences. And you would think he's been around Earth long enough to, to know that, that Earthlings have free will and they're going to fucking do what they're going to do. And the worst thing you can do is is be that guy waving your finger saying no. Well, <laughs> uh, also, he didn't show himself as exactly an authority. No. You know, <laughs> even when the kid was a kid... He's saying, "Don't worry, you'll pass. You know, you'll pass your twenty-sided die." <laughs> He's like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "I don't know." And then he goes back, you know, five years later. Nah, I think it's bonded to your DNA. Oh, it's now. bonded to your <laughs> DNA. Oh, really? Why do you think that? There's no reason for me to think that. <laughs> it's because I need you to have superpowers when you're 32. Otherwise, we're a 30-minute episode where I met a kid who could float, <laughs> and I don't think that's going to make anybody happy. No, but I think we are going to see him again because they made a point of saying he's going to keep the costume around. Yeah, he'll be some kind of deus ex machina yeah. somewhere in the next season. And then he'll magically pass the 20-sided die. <laughs> like, when they don't need him anymore. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully not. A, hopefully he does it like a kidney stone, just <laughs> shrieking like a retard. Ah! 45 minutes of... Amanda just made the worst <laughs> face at me. Ew. <laughs> they got my dick missing! That's not what I... <laughs> That's you just want to suck the joy out of everything. I think the first one worked better. <laughs> for a ten dollar all you can eat testicle fest. There, that one works too. That one works for every situation. It, it really does. It really does. So yeah, the the Doctor Who Christmas episode has come and gone, and I was not that impressed. Yeah, I mean, as a comic fan and and a human being in the world, uh, there were detail issues. You know that. Manhattan apartment for a newspaper reporter. Mm, that I, was that was on par with Rachel's apartment in Friends. Yeah, I I majored in print print, <laughs> print journalism in college, and it was so lucrative. I became a fucking software engineer, and I tell people I'd have been better off majoring in fucking buggy whip manufacture. I mean, unless the implication was also when the husband left her, she got everything. <laughs> in response for his, in, in response to his freedom, she got everything. Uh, yes, uh, everything from uh, the the rich friend of the nanny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think we're wallowing in bucks here. <laughs> well, because I would add an extra level of uh, of wrinkle too, and and she liked him because he was hot and had money, and and, and Grant, you're just never. <laughs> the only reason she likes you now is because she found out your secret. <laughs> exactly, you're a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was having some moments of, oh, he kind of doesn't suck when she was feeling defensive talking about Grant to Grant on their rooftop dinner. Yeah. Which was also highly contrived. But... <laughs> of course. I, uh, I yeah. Mm. Uh, some of the other details. Uh, if Grant got his power 24 years ago, uh, his walls would have not been you know, Captain America. It would have been Spawn and Youngblood and yeah. fucking Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man, maybe if you want to go to one of the mainstream heroes. Which Moffat has never read, so that's why they're not there. Very probably, or he just uh, sent somebody, more accurately sent somebody to Forbidden Planet or whatever the big store is in London mm-hmm. and said, just get me posters. Get me the posters. Get, get American superhero posters. Yes. <laughs> they did get the detail. Right around that time is when John Byrne would have been drawing Superman. Mm. The, the Superman comic. And I thought that was a nice moment that the doctor just, he thinks he's a genius figuring out so, <laughs> you know, to, that this guy, Clark Kent, he's Superman. I figured it out. I drew glasses on him. So <laughs> you drew my comic. <laughs> Can't and, slab that now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that 
the the what was the name of the company? Harmony Shoals. Yeah, uh, their plan to fake an alien invasion that's straight out of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. It, it's oh, really yeah. yeah, it's it's really like Moffat has read like two comic books. Mm. <laughs> Somebody like gave him Watchmen for Christmas. You, you're a nerd. You'll like this, right? <laughs> I'm deeply surprised he didn't dress the bad guy characters in purple and green. <laughs> like that would that have been too on the nose at that point? <laughs> uh, very possibly. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing, the, the the big thing early on where the doctor says, oh, no, I'm the main doctor. All the other doctors came from me. Yeah, Dr. Fate, I think, would like to have a word, sir. <laughs> Just maybe. But, uh, and... <laughs> Dr. Watson. <laughs> yeah, but Dr. Watson was, was not... the sidekick. I'm just yeah. thinking back. <laughs> uh, yeah, but not a comic book. I'm, I'm willing to accept that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, there wasn't a hell of a lot there for comic fans, for Doctor Who fans. There was no real advancement of character beyond, oh, he's still sad. Yeah. Because of River Song. Again, this better not lead to a season, and it probably won't because of the age difference between Capaldi and the new companion, but another season where there's a needlessly shoehorned in implied relationship between the doctor and somebody. Just, yeah, we, we've really had that for a couple of years now. Yeah. You're right. Missy, far more uh, in his first season. Last year was his second season, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, that's not a thing I particularly need. I don't particularly want to focus on the companion. And, yeah, with the <laughs> in its own way, the best part of the whole thing was the preview for next season. And even that was yet another companion going, oh, I travel with this man and I've learned things. It had a very early Amy Pond vibe, which just made me upset (laughs) (laughs) i mean which companions do you like donna noble ah donna donna is awesome she is my second favorite companion my first favorite companion is leela leela was awesome she killed things (laughs) okay ace is my third because she blew shit up we're we're going back to well before (laughs) yeah uh, the 2005 revival both of those yeah both of those uh companions those were traits that I enjoyed that the doctor tried to uh, Dr. Doolittle them out of that shit. <laughs> like Dr. civilized people don't act that way. Or Eliza Doolittle, rather. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Doolittle, whole different thing. <laughs> I know. He talks to animals. Um, Swatter on the nose of the music. <laughs> no. <laughs> Get no back Janice in your Thorns. corner. No. <laughs> Do it in the box. <laughs> no. Um, I, I really enjoyed... Leela, because I just thought she was great. She was a fi- she was a physical character, and at the time that I was watching television programs, it, you had you had Linda Carter as as Wonder Woman. You're getting Lindsay Wagner as Bionic Woman, yeah. but there weren't a lot of believable. And I, I say this now: if I go back and I watch these episodes, I'd be like, "Oh God, these are cheesy as fuck." But they. <laughs> You have a greater tolerance for that when you're a kid, yeah. I think. You didn't have a lot of, of characters who were women that were willing to be physical. And okay. that was important to me as a kid. Um, and also why when when they brought in Sarah Jane, who was just so not Leela, like everybody else in the world, she's like the most beloved companion over time. And I'm just like, oh, you're a whiny, whiny bitch. Just shut up. <laughs> The doctor is yelling at you because he is right to do so. <laughs> <laughs> she deserves like the arc she... in space. She's like stuck in a, a 
a vent in the ceiling and she can't move and the doctor's screaming at her to get out of it and basically making her feel badly about herself because she can't move. She's crying and finally she gets free and he's like, it worked, right? <laughs> a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> there's, like there's a reason I don't sit down with you and watch these old <laughs> ones because, yeah, they're like six episode arcs, which means you can get about three quarters of a bottle of scotch in there. <laughs> So, yeah, by episode five, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody needs a little nap now. Yes. So, yeah, ultimately, I was disappointed by this. It, it was certainly, hey, it, it killed an hour and 15 minutes once we fast-forwarded through the ads. Yeah. It was not you know, awful, but if you're a Doctor Who fan, I don't imagine there was a lot of red meat there. If you're a superhero fan, there was certainly not much there, and what was there, you've seen before. Yeah. I did like that they brought back Nardal. That was unexpected um, for a character that sh- kind of showed up briefly at the end of River Song's run. Right. And now he's going to be fairly significant going forward. I, I did like that character. You know, I thought he was a, a decent, somewhat more is, enthusiastic counterpoint to the Doctor. Yeah, Matt Lucas, I think is his name. And I looked him up on IMDb. He was born in Paddington, which is part of London in England, so I, as he was wandering around in the toggle button coat for most of the episode, it made me think of Paddington Bear, which is, <laughs> I don't know if that was the implication, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I've got nothing else for that. I just, I, anyway. The, the one thing that I think was the worst part about it, it's, it's been a year and still the BBC can't mix their fucking sound. Yeah, what is shit. up with that? It's... It, because, yeah, we watch this. We have a home theater system that will do a whole split of everything, but we watch this just sort of on our main TV. And, yeah, whenever the music would come up, all the dialogue got muddied. Mm. It's a, I don't know who's mixing your shit, BBC, but stop it. <laughs> Call Rob. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And this generally sounds a little bit better than BBC shit. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, overall, it was, it was okay. It wasn't anything special. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm concerned with the introduction of this particular new companion that, yeah, they're trying to dial it back to. How can we get the kids interested? All right, well, if we make him a magical old man and then we make it like very, very centric on the companion again and make her really young and fun, that, that'll be what the people want. Hey, look, I'd say they need to sell toys and cereal, but it's the BBC. They don't have to sell shit. It's all licensing fee stuff. <laughs> That's true. So, I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't have an answer for it. It was... Yeah, I was hoping for, yeah, it's going to be the best of a couple of worlds. And really, it was just sort of, yep, okay, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got anything else on that, or you want to move straight to the books? It was better than Civil War II. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there was no Watchmen in it. Yes. All right. So oh. on a positive note for the Doctor Who Christmas special. But there was a Watchmen-style plot point of faking an alien invasion. So even that, we sort of have to give casts, that a half point. Casts a Paul. Yeah. Um, Tony Stark wasn't killed or put into some sort of weird AI coma as a, as a result of this. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Do, do we want to move straight to Civil War yeah, II number eight? Yeah, we're gonna, this we're going to spoil. And even, even worse than it spoiled itself. <laughs> Civil War II number eight, written by Brian Michael Bentness, art by David Marquez and everybody else that somebody could get on the phone who felt like doing a pinup page. Mm. Um, yeah, that was time well spent, wasn't it? Ugh. April to December, uh, taking up a large part of the DC universe. Ugh. 
It's a, yeah, it's, uh, we said it earlier And no on. come up, it's for Carol Danvers as a result of any of this. Oh, I'm going to scream about that at length. So if you're tired of me screaming about Captain Marvel and how they fucked Captain Marvel up, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> but, but no, stick around. Rob's going to rant, rant about Watchmen in a minute, too. So just come on. Well, <laughs> probably, but less. I was going to say that, yeah, there were two DC books this week with Watchmen references. I'm still less pissed at DC <laughs> than I am at Marvel. So, yeah, it's here we are at the end of it. And nothing of value was fucking learned from anybody. You know, Ulysses gets poochied out of the story to go back to his home planet by eternity because reasons. Because reasons. And literally reasons. There's been no indication at all through this whole story that Ulysses' powers were anything but just Terrigen based. There's nothing to indicate there was any kind of cosmic power going on. Yeah. It should have just been he's an inhuman. He got his power through terogenesis. My head part of me still wants to say terogenesis. I may slip now and again. All right. Yeah, to to make his powers cosmic and to pull him out of the story. And let's face it, that's just another quest for plot thing of (laughs) we got to get him off the board because somebody who can tell the future we can't have around. So we have to get them the fuck out of here. Either either he needs needs to take a bullet in the face or he needs to be removed from the boards. That's all this was. Also, we're done telling the story that we told poorly about about profiling. So uh, we have no reason to keep him around anymore. So let's find a way to move him off the board. Exactly. And and it's problematic doing it this way because I, I don't know if it's just bad timing because the story was delayed a whole bunch and a bunch of issues were added. I don't know if the ending was... Bendis has said he thought up a new ending. Whether that had anything to do with Ulysses going cosmic or not was a new idea from what he originally pitched. Yeah, because about the only way it would have been satisfying for me would have been if they had stolen some elements from the Dark Phoenix and had the Shi'ar Empire show up and uh, kill him. <laughs> Which would have been fine. I mean, that that's the thing. Ulysses was just sort of a milquetoast character. He's yeah. like, shit happened to him. He was there to advance the plot. He had zero agency. Yeah. He, the Terrigen Mist got him, and then Medusa came and picked him up, and he started telling the future. So Medusa brought him to the Avengers, where he started telling the future in his little side miniseries by Al Ewing. He just got dropped in with Karnak, and Mm -hmm. just shit happened to him, and then he gets dragged away. It's, he was, he should have. Somehow he got red Karnak-like tattoos on his face. They just should have just stamped plot device on his fucking forehead and kicked him off in, into the bleed. Yeah. It's, he served no purpose. But the problem is by changing things and saying, oh, no, he's cosmic in nature, it implies that maybe Terrigenesis is potentially cosmic in nature. And that really changes all the implications of Inhumans versus X-Men. Yeah, I read something somewhere that implied... Um that some characters that we thought might just be superpowered aliens could be some flavor of inhuman like Thanos. <laughs> hey, if they want to go all in with that, that's fine. But the problem then becomes if they're cosmic powered, that makes them by nature more godlike, which means if Terrigenesis creates gods and kills mutants with Mpox. You're implying that God hates mutants, and Magneto's been right all along. <laughs> that's a that terrible is, thing to imply. Yeah, that's in the Marvel universe. That's 
I, I get scary, it. Scary, dangerous. It is scary, dangerous. But until they get the rights for the X-Men back from Fox, they're going to keep banging that drum of trying to make the Inhumans relevant and the X-Men not. And it's not worked. It's never worked. The, the most relevant Inhuman in the last year has been Ulysses, who wandered around going, Derp, see stuff. Okay, <laughs> I'll go lie down. <laughs> So, yeah, the plot had to get Ulysses off the board because, yeah, with him around, there's no conflict whatsoever in the Marvel Universe. And you know, every time somebody sticks a skimmer on an ATM, Alpha Flight's there, and that's boring comics. That's shit comics. We can't have that. Yeah. So, and, and Ulysses is taken off the board and during the proceedings that the Inhumans have come to try to stop. Ulysses' last vision before he went nonverbal is um, he sees Carol Danvers kill or seemingly kill Iron Man. Right. So they have shown up to try to stop the fight. Well, no. What he sees is a the, the old man Logan. Feature. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But it's implied that the Inhumans have then left because of that. And there's, I'm mean, going back to, to number seven here. I've got the thing. There was no specific, you know, oh, he's going to, she's going to kill Iron Man. It was, there really was nothing said about that. It yeah. was uh, Tony pushed her too far, and it, so it was all very vague and up in the air. But there was uh, enough of it there for for him to say, "Oh no, stop the fight! Stop the fight!" Before he goes into another fucking fugue state to be useless for the rest of issue eight. Yeah, it just awful handling of this character. He's just he's advancing the fucking plot. That's all he did. Yeah. So and unlike what it looked like from comic books after issue seven where clearly the timing was screwed up. It turns out Tony Stark spoilers is not dead. No. Although I'm still trying to figure out why, why all these other Marvel books imply that everyone thinks he's dead or that somebody has allowed the world to think he's dead. Uh, I I can't figure out why that's happening. That's, that is a good question, but they, the one somewhat double blind that they pull is, all right, he's not dead. And as they're, showing Ulysses fucking off to be with Eternity, you see Hanks, or Henry Henry McCoy, <laughs> yeah, Beast, Beast. Uh, voiceover of, sounds like he's evolved past us, and you, you assume that they're talking about Ulysses, and it turns out that, no, it's in fact Tony Stark, the futurist, who has been experimenting on himself and is now something more uh, than human. See, I don't necessarily agree. I think that was sloppy writing that you could take it that way, but I think before they switched over, when it was just sort of voiceover, I think they were talking about Ulysses, and then they switched to talking about Tony Stark. See, I don't think so. I think they, I think they were intentionally talking about Tony. It could be. I could be reading it wrong because I did reread that a couple of times, and I, I wound up deciding. All right, here they're talking about Ulysses, and now here they're talking about Tony. Yeah, I suppose. But in any event, what they've done is conveniently put him in stasis until they decide they want to bring him back, probably around the time of the next Avengers movie. Uh, yeah, although, no, I'm, I'm guessing for Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. He's going to be a, at least a part of Spider-Man yeah, Homecoming. So. so what implications that's going to have down the, down the road on the Doctor Doom Iron Man and the Riri Williams Iron Man, I don't know. Yeah. Because he's also supposed to be the Jarvis Lake AI for Riri. That is true. Sorry, I'm pouring beer down my head at a rapid clip just because it's the only way I can deal with the pain of Civil War Two. Which is, you know, there's this sort of odd implication that he's uploaded his consciousness, Iduro style, <laughs> into Riri's AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know if it's a copy or, or what. It's, it hasn't been made clear. There hasn't been enough uh, issues of, Christ, how many fucking Iron Man titles are there now? 
Yeah, she's an invincible Iron Man. Yes. It's a infamous Iron Man. International. I think infa- I, I think there was international Iron okay. Man. Now I think there's infamous Iron right, Man. Right, right. That focuses on Victor Von Doom. We don't need this many fucking Iron Man. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't figure out why there's so many. But, oh, Stark's dead. Because there's certainly nothing in this in implying, oh, no, we have to let the world believe that he's dead until we can reasons. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even want to take his blood. Like, why? Because there's nanites in there. They're going to fuck with your syringe? Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah. It's, it's Let's leave our, our options open, for Christ's sake. We is have it, to. Is he going to spill into, like, you know, weird black goo? Like, I don't know, Lucy or some shit? Like, I don't know. Oh, God. Don't, don't remind me of that movie, <laughs> which I enjoyed for about the first 25 minutes. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, she's in a thumb drive. <laughs> she's in a thumb drive. <laughs> <laughs> she's a god now. She's in a thumb drive. <laughs> So, and then ultimately, yeah, we wind up with what we knew was going to happen with Captain Marvel as the great hero of Civil War II. And now that it's all said and done, I really, really, really can't figure out why. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand what happened there. It's, it, it literally, it doesn't make any sense. No. Plot-wise, character-wise, from anybody on the board. She failed at every fucking front. She was not successful in any way. She lost Ulysses. So the predictive justice program she founded and led defunct now. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't go any further. She couldn't maintain Black Panther's loyalty in the Ultimates. That team's defunct. And yes, there's an Ultimates too, but if you're reading it, she's not in charge. It's a thing that's almost happening in spite of her. Yeah. So the, the Ultimates team that everybody was counting on, gone as far as everybody's concerned. Because yeah, she couldn't maintain loyalty. Right. If you're reading Captain Marvel or have listened to this show about the last <laughs> issue of a couple issues of Captain Marvel, you know that half of Alpha Flight doesn't trust her, you know, just because she accused them of future crimes so that she could capture some other villain without fucking telling yeah. them. So that's three major initiatives funded in part or in whole with taxpayer dollars that she has allowed to founder, if not completely fucking fail. Millions of dollars down the fucking tubes based on her failures. Now, she did manage to save Captain America's life. Yes. Which is nice. But he's also a Hydra agent. Yes, if you're reading Nick Spencer's Captain America, and based on the internet comments that I see, you sure are, Captain America's a fucking Nazi. (laughs) It seems like she should be the alt-right starling at this point. (laughs) Now, (laughs) she doesn't necessarily know that he's a Nazi, but we know he's a Nazi, and we know that he's a Nazi who's planning to allow the Chitari to invade Earth to winnow down the population to a more manageable and pliable level. I mean, also because um, world-level extinction events like that open up real opportunities to take over governments. Oh, of course. (laughs) So... So yeah, I know that Red Skull's control over Steve Rogers is going to get broken before he can, you know, go full whispering Hail Hydra into some other dude's ear in a creepy kind of way. Yeah. I know that's going to stop, but for the time being, based on current reality, Captain Marvel has saved a man who is planning genocide. Mm-hmm. Now, she stopped Spider-Man from killing anyone, which is good, except other than Ulysses' vision... We haven't seen any indication from anyone that Spider-Man was actually going to kill anyone. Right. We heard in last month's Spider-Man that sometimes Miles feels like cutting loose and doing some violence. That's general. It wasn't, and I'm going to kill Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. We're never shown any specific reason. That's I'm a teenage boy with hormones and I have shit to work out. Exactly. (laughs) I used to hit trees with baseball bats. 
I didn't give the trees names. It was just hormones. <laughs> uh, we're never shown any specific vision or any reason why Miles would attack Steve Rogers in the fucking first place beyond this vision. Unless he finds out he's a Hydra agent, I suppose. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose, but... Yeah, and, and we never see any precipitating factor that would lead those two to fight beyond right. the vision and both of them just being on the steps of the fucking Capitol. Mm-hmm. And two people in the same place at the same time does not mean they're going to kill each other. Yeah. If being in the same place at the same time in public made two people fight, Warren Ellis and I would have killed each other at San Diego Comic-Con in 2007 just because we were there, because apparently that's how it works in Marvel Comics. Apparently. So. (laughs) Well, you know, you get superpowers, so you become a superhero because reasons. Um, And Hmm. you fight another superhero because they happen to be there because reasons. Yeah, on the steps of the Capitol, because it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> did did Michael Bay come up with this? Uh, Michael Bay explosion. Michael Bay's shit makes more sense than this. <laughs> That's rough. I mean, it's, That's rough. <laughs> it's kind of true. It's the the one thing she managed to do is not kill Iron Man. Yes. Yeah, she put him in a coma. Mm. Yeah, just as Captain America, who she saved, is getting ready to allow an alien invasion, which would be a great time to have, I don't know, a genius fucking weapons designer. It really would be, or or perhaps um, an inhuman who could see the future. <laughs> yeah, either one would be good. So, and then when it's all said and done, even Captain Captain Marvel admits, you know, yeah, what he saw was not the future; it was a possible future. So her entire thing was based on something that she admits was flawed and could show you things that weren't necessarily going to fucking happen. Right. And and locking people up when they haven't done a crime is wrong. So why the fuck is she walking free? Yeah, it's the only thing I could think of is by stopping Spider-Man and Captain America from fighting, she avoided collateral damage that a super battle in Washington would have caused. Except that on the literal first page of the book, Bendis shows the collateral damage a super battle in Washington causes when she fights fucking Iron Man. It's true. It's true. It, it, it's it's not good. And <laughs> is this coming out of her salary? Like, <laughs> Like, he was wrong and you knew it. Like, who's going to pay for this? Like, <laughs> oh, the, the, the American taxpayer. Because, uh, yeah, then we see the president. We're led to believe it's Obama, but whoever the president well, no, is in at shadow. With, at least with, with the, the one that's intended to look like Obama, they actually kind of drew him that way. This one was more, ah, shit, this might be really, really late, so let's just put this one completely in shadow in case it's not Obama. Uh, based on the phrasing, it felt more Obama than Trump. Either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the president is. No. It's, the point is, she fails every fucking step of the way. Yes. Everything she did has led to the, de- the deaths of multiple superheroes. She suspended the Bill of Rights, sort of basically because she could, has wasted millions of taxpayer well, yeah, dollars on these programs she can't fucking hold together. Habeas corpus is for assholes. And by saving that in America... <laughs> Don't you say that, because I do crimes. There are times I would like to go home afterwards. Yeah, by letting Captain America go free while he's in his Hydra state, she has literally made America, if not the entire world, less safe than when she started. Mm -hmm. She has failed every step of the way. Yes. And you're right. What are the consequences? None. In fact, it looks like she's getting promoted to something. What what were they offering, Rhodey? Like Secretary of Defense or some shit? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she is failing up in ways that really could only happen in 2016. (laughs) (laughs) And she's learned 
nothing. Yeah. Because in this week's Captain Steve Rogers Captain America, th- there's a Chitari invasion wave that gets pushed aside by a new Quasar, and Captain Marvel can't wait to use Quasar's power to her own ends to the point yeah. where Hydra Captain America has to say, "You haven't learned a goddamn thing, and we're going to be at war again." <laughs> Hydra Captain America. <laughs> at this point, I, I kind of worry what Carol Danvers' Twitter account looks like. Like. <laughs> does she does she just come up with like random crazy shit to say at three in the morning? Everything is awesome. <laughs> Everything is cool when you're part of a team who hates you and you can't keep together. Which team am I talking about? Could be any one of three. <laughs> Everything is awesome. I shouldn't be singing. <laughs> at Alpha Flight. <laughs> at Ultimate. <laughs> I'll tell you what her fucking Twitter feed says. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I believe she's in recovery. That's part of her her story history. Fall off the wagon. It can't get any fucking worse. <laughs> uh, seriously. It's, I, this was an awful event. It was. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of worse events in recent history from Marvel. I mean, you could make the argument fear itself was... And it wasn't even this awful. It was inessential. Yeah. And basically retconned itself before it was over. So it was like it never happened. Yeah, and and the worst part of this too is, in addition to being bad, now we are about to be inflicted on with, okay, now we're Civil War Two aftermath, and you know, <laughs> Civil War Two remains of the day. Civil War Two, where are my pants? Like just all of these needless books that will come out of this. Civil War Two, Carol Danvers' internal dialogue. <laughs> you damn fool! You're more useless than Aquaman. Except no, she thinks she's the shit. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, this event ruined Captain Marvel. Civil War II, and, where's my car, dude? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Civil War II. <laughs> Carol Danvers' day off. <laughs> Civil I, War II. Hawkeye is now officially more competent than you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and yeah, he sh- Hawkeye shows up at the end of this. It's like, no, I'm going to do stuff, and trust me. Yeah, and, and I've read I read the first issue of Occupy Avengers, um, and that's all I remember about it is that I read it. <laughs> so I don't know what Hawkeye's up to right now. So yeah, it's this ruined Captain Marvel in kind of in the way Civil War ruined Iron Man. Yeah. Now to get around that, it required a quality writer like Matt Fraction to literally reboot Tony Stark's brain. God only knows what they're going to have to do with Carol Danvers because they have to do something. Fire her into space. Uh, that's something we talked about a few episodes ago. It's yeah. like, leave the planet and redeem yourself at the cosmic level. Fine. If Ulysses is out there, go out and whatever. But fuck off for a while. Yeah. Which they can't do because now they're developing a movie. Yeah. They're developing a movie and they've decided, okay, we're just going to show Carol as hero for some goddamn reason. And again, only in 2016 can I believe yeah. that somebody who does this in public is lionized and promoted yeah it's not so not believable until recently yeah it's the whole thing swung on a literal deus ex machina that was so powerful they had to change the nature of the power of inhumans Mm -hmm. to have it make any sense and then get it off the board so nobody else could use it yeah and it required all these characters to act wrong hawkeye is a cold-blooded murderer spider-man is a possible fucking murderer it's not a good series. And in the end, it ended with the worst possible tell-don't show. Yeah. You know, with the dialogue between Beast and Captain Marvel, with Beast saying that Stark was 
more concerned about what would happen if somebody who wasn't as forthright, in air quotes, as Captain Marvel got the power of Ulysses to do future profiling. Now, number one, this is the first time we've seen anybody mention this, Mm -hmm. that this was Tony Stark's motivation. So it's in a page and a half of, you know, you're, you're telling us what's going on. And would it not have been more powerful? And I'm not a writer. <laughs> I mean, beyond cock jokes, which I'll stand by to the death, but... You're and, very good at them. Yeah, but I, I can't do story. But, you know, I'm thinking, what would be more powerful than Beast lecturing Captain Marvel? Let's have her pay some fucking consequences. And, you know, keep Ulysses around, get Marvel fired... Let Hank Gyrich run the program and show what happens when somebody has this power yeah. who isn't Captain Marvel. At the very least, you had that with Norman Osborn in as an outcome of Civil War. Right. So, oh yeah, shit, this is why you don't give the keys to the crazy. <laughs> right, but this could be even more powerful because he's just using the same things that she did and have him go further. Have yeah. him absolutely pay no attention whatsoever to due process or... Show us what happens. Don't have it be a fucking lecture from Beast after you've torn Captain Marvel down and promoted her because of it. Yeah. It feels unrealistic, and it feels like you've tacked it on at the end. It's like, oh, no, it's everybody really loved each other and thought everybody was forthright, and that's why they had to fight to the death? It doesn't make any sense. No. So what you're saying to me, Beast, is that Tony Stark faked his own death, kind of, by putting himself into a coma so that I would learn a lesson. Right. Okay. Sure. Short samples. Short samples. <laughs> that she hasn't learned as of the most recent Captain America book. <laughs> so I'm just I'm looking at the state of Marvel Comics right now, and we've we've got this. So Iron Man's off the board. Hulk's off the board. Captain Marvel is not irredeemably broken, but broken right now. Yep. Hawkeye's somewhat broken. He's certainly out of the zone of uh, any place he's ever operated before. Spider-Man is off. He's still dealing with... Uh, yeah, slash fighting clones, slash, yes, being sorely tempted by Ben Riley to violate every one of his principles to bring Uncle Ben back from the dead. Yep. What's the state of Marvel right now? Um, Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange? Kind of, even though there's not a lot of magic left in the world? Mark Wade's Avengers <clears throat> titles are fun reads. Mm. Uh... As his champions. Uh, Iron Fist and Power Man, that book has been... That book is a sleeper, man. That's a solid book. So the street-level books. Yeah, it's a, the one interesting and encouraging thing in this was a single panel where Bendis and Marquez implied that they're going to put together a street-level Avengers team that maps to the Netflix series. Yes, I see that. With Daredevil and Jessica Jones, Power Man and Iron Fist. Yep. So, okay, great. We'll get a taste of that. We'll make it some kind of comic book canon before they do it on the TV show. Great. All right, let's do that. Because, yeah, Charles Sewell's Daredevil is also good, but he's also been disconnected from all this bullshit. Right. I mean, but even at the worst depths of... Because what I'm trying to figure out is, will Secret Wars wind up being Marvel's new 52? Where things go so wrong, and they really have gone kind of wrong, that they have to... Just punch out and literally, at this point, literally reboot again. And that would be interesting because now you've made Ulysses this cosmic level power who's off with eternity. Does he come back now after things continue to suck for Marvel? And he just waves his hand as like, this is part of my new power set. Redo- reboot. 
Yeah, I mean, God, everything, as a Marvel fan, everything you thought you could count on is just sort of fucked. Spider-Man's rich, and the Fantastic Four are gone, and the Guardians of the Galaxy don't have a spaceship, (laughs) and (laughs) Captain Marvel's a dick, and the Hulk is dead, and Iron Man's a girl, (laughs) and it's... What the fuck is am I reading? <laughs> well, I mean, on on the one hand, for the much younger readers, they're they're getting new and more relatable in terms of representation heroes. For the older fans, you are left sort of questioning. You and I actually talked about this. One of the books that isn't really hitting for you so much, but that I'm really enjoying is Thunderbolts. Yeah, uh, written by Jim Zub. Yep, and I like Jim Zub. And and I'm finding his work right now outstanding because stuff that came out of the Pleasant Hill Maria Hill story, right? And Bucky is is leading the Thunderbolts, and they've they've got in their care um, a cosmic cube who has taken on little girl form. <laughs> yeah, what's her name? Kobik. Kobik. Kobik is also the one that's responsible for fucking with Steve's head, Steve Rogers' head, right. and making him think that he's a Hydra agent. Oh, that's right. Okay. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out if and when Bucky ever fucking finds out. Oh, yeah. All right. So there's, I, I have uh, the, the first couple issues of that. I really, I, I just about wrote it off. Not enough to take it out of my polls. But it's also the thing that bothers me because they continue to show because it was like, all right, who wants to get their pinup page in? And one of the possible futures is still uh, Miles Morales and Captain America in some way, shape, or form fighting or taking out Captain America. No, that's Bucky's job. If if Steve has gone rogue, that's that's Bucky's fight. That's not Miles Morales's fight. Uh, you're right. Uh, but it's <laughs> that comes down to weird Bendis judgment of when we were dealing with Secret Invasion slash Dark Reign, who is supposed to take out Norman Osborn? That should have been Spider-Man. Right. But it wasn't. It was not. <laughs> so... <laughs> Look, I I get it. Uh, Miles Morales is his creation, his baby. Mm-hmm. Certainly he wants, and it, it makes a lot of sense, if we're going to have Peter Parker be a rich dude fucking around with clones again, I want a street-level Spider-Man. I like Miles Morales. Yeah. That's a role that he can fill. It's hard for him to fill when he's fucking off to Washington to see if he's going to kill Captain America. I mean, the... The whole violent tendencies thing for Miles now, it's going to be interesting to see how he readjusts to going out and and working on the street level because he has been a victim of the violence from authority figures that we see happen almost daily in the news. Well, also, have you read uh, this week's uh, Spider-Man? I think it's 11. I have not yet. It's uh, His father is now all in. Uh, spoilers with Shield again, like had yeah. to pass a well, that test. was because that was the other thing I was gonna. You know, since his dad has had involvement and continues to have involvement with Shield, who was the organization that tried to fucking arrest him, having done nothing wrong? Right. Like, yeah, I would be angry, and if I was angry with superpowers and um, inexperienced and having difficulty with my impulse control because I'm 15 or 16 years old, yeah, bad things are gonna happen. <laughs> That's true. So there's still, I still like Bendis as a writer. I don't think I've liked a single event that he's done. Mm. Uh, the, the House of M, again, another, hey, let's get rid of most of the mutants that ultimately I don't think really did very much. Yeah. You know, and it, it did enough to, uh, okay. what it did was make X Factor awesome. Yes. And what have we done now that we're at Invaders versus X-Men? We've killed Jamie Madrox. I'm never going to forgive Charles Sewell for that. Yeah, that's not cool. Uh, so, 
there's there's still potential for story here. It's just everything seems so fucked, and I'm I'm glad there's more representation. That's important. I can live without Tony Stark being Iron Man. I can live with you know Amadeus Cho being Hulk. I love that character. But it's it seems very weird. Uh, okay, and we're we're gonna kill off the old ones, and uh, no, don't worry, we'll, we'll bring them back because we already showed you with Captain America, but he's Hydra now. And but you know, what they did with Tony opens the door too, because we don't know. Perhaps at some point Stark and Banner had a conversation, and he's uploaded his consciousness somewhere too as an AI. I, I guess that's possible. Yeah. I, I don't know. It. I would think that Amadeus Cho actually would feel really fucking betrayed. Were that the case, like that nobody told him. Yeah, it's there's there's potential for good story here, but we're not getting a lot of them. No, we're getting <laughs> let's have we're, more fucking superheroes fight each other. We're getting story maps that look an awful lot like how doc, the Doctor tried to take out the bad guys in the Christmas special. I'm just gonna sit here at this alien ship's console and mash buttons. Yeah, and hopefully something good will come out of it because I'm the Doctor and I win. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I wonder how much of this is based on the correctly good press of, all right, we're going to take a chance and make Sam Wilson, Captain America and mm-hmm. Jane Foster Thor. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, well that worked. All right. We'll, uh, we'll replace Iron Man and we'll replace the Hulk and we'll replace Spider-Man and we'll, well, it worked, right? Quasar's a girl now. <laughs> yeah. And, and Hey, fine. But <laughs> some of it's happening via civil war two, which is just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the path forward is, and I don't know if this is impacting their sales enough for them to give a shit and go in a different direction. Because that was what was the driving issue with DC that led to rebirth was the dip in sales because people were like, were just not buying the books anymore. And for the last few months, DC has been taking Marvel to school in the uh, the sales department. They've had far more of the top ten than Marvel has. I mean, if, if I'm remembering what I've read if we uh, correctly, had, if we didn't have this podcast, when would you have stopped reading Civil War 2? Uh, I mean, being a major event, see, it's hard to say. We've, we've been doing the comics site for coming up on six years now. Yeah. I yeah, mean, a would lot you of my habits are sort of ingrained in let me get everything to keep track of what's going on. Let me just keep reading this because even though it's a train wreck, I need to know. Uh, maybe. So maybe that makes me part of the problem. Because this tastes really bad, you should try this. Well, it's and I, and I lick my own ass, says the <laughs> raccoon on the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, it's seriously, I read all of Secret Invasion and uh, a lot of titles through Dark Rain, and I hated Dark Rain. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess there's a certain amount of just fanboy. I don't want to say completist, but masochism. <laughs> I'd like to believe it's more optimism. Of if we can get through this, it's going to get better. Don't, don't smile at me like that. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was biting my lip uh, the, for the obvious joke there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is no, we're we're not a political podcast. <laughs> uh, correct. So, <laughs> so I I don't know. I, I I've stuck with bad stories before, and generally there is improvement. New 52, things got pretty bad, and they had to make a major course correction, and they were able to do it. Mm. I don't know if Marvel's at the point where they have to make a major course correction. I don't think they had to make the major course correction of Secret Wars. No. I I don't know. Yeah, 
we'll certainly keep an eye on on the titles as they go. I I think they need to shit or get off the pot with this whole X Men mutants Inhumans thing, though. They they just need to fucking resolve that one way or the other. It's a, they're they're not going to do it unless they're going to write a big check to Fox so that it can all be under one roof. Because the reality is, for the last ten or so years, these are less books than intellectual property farms for the companies that own the publishing houses. So there will be marching orders from Diane Nelson and Ike Perlmutter saying things need to be here to generate out for the shit that actually makes money. Yeah. Because, yeah, nobody's getting rich in comics anymore. (laughs) They're just not. Yeah, I I don't disagree. But, I don't know, this... I can't believe a writer who is otherwise as talented as Bendis would give us such a shit show of an ending to this book. Who knows? It could be editorial interference. We got a lot of leaks out of DC at the beginning of New 52. True. That a lot of editorial interference was happening. Maybe Marvel just runs a tighter ship. Maybe. Maybe Bendis has found fentanyl. It's hard to tell. Ike Perlmutter did take a meeting with Donald Trump the other day. Yeah, uh, I saw that. So uh, there, there's a picture. There's proof of life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beyond the names on the bathroom passes at Marvel uh, Marvel headquarters. <laughs> so it's yeah. This is look. Bottom line, this is not a great event. No. Uh, Marvel since Secret Wars has right been now, inconsistent. The, the state of Marvel right now between Spider-Man with clones again mm-hmm. and Hulk dead and Iron Man for all intents and purposes dead. And a whole new batch of heroes, and Captain Marvel's a dick. Your best bets right now are the street-level books, in my opinion, and the Captain America-centric books. Yeah, and like anything else, if Mark Wade's name is on it, it will be as entertaining as it can be, given constraints from editorial. Yes. So yeah, we've spent eight months talking about this event, and I wish I hadn't spent a plug nickel on it. <laughs> that's, that's valid. That's valid. Speaking of uh, other event books that... Yeah, unfortunately, it's all negative shit this week when it comes to the comics. Uh, are you prepared to talk about? Oh, I'm prepared. The majesty <laughs> of of Dick Three, the Master Race. <laughs> oh, DK Three. Right. <laughs> I think you're probably more appropriate. <laughs> Dark Knight Three, DK Three, the Master Race Number Seven, written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, art by Adam Kubert, Frank Miller, and Klaus Jansen. Uh, my this book fr- is not good. <laughs> yeah, my, my first note here is uh, we're not a big enough operation for comics pros to ask us for blurbs for their, <laughs> for their trade paperback, which is a shame because I've written one for, oh, really? for DK3. Uh, thank God they never made a sequel to Batman The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> Rob, Crisis on Infinite Midlabs.com. Yeah, it's, this, is, this is not a Dark Knight book. No. It's And it hasn't been one from the beginning. It's been a way for Frank Miller and DC to turn the Dark Knight universe into one that DC can keep dumping books out about this universe. Yes. And it's... <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why they would even bother to do this. Because just in this issue, and again, massive spoilers, we've got Batman de-aged in a Lazarus pit to make him more viable... In the mini-comic by Miller, we've got Green Lantern back in the yeah in the fold, and back with his power back. He's got his hand back, but it's not attached to him, so it wanders around like Thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> which I found mildly amusing. Yeah, but consistent because particularly in the 70s, it was always a thing of, look, I'm going to throw my ring away and you get a thought balloon every second issue, but I can control it up to 10 feet away with my mind. And so it makes a certain amount of sense. Yes. Why he wouldn't just put it on his left hand? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Feels weird there. <laughs> so yeah, this is an attempt to build up a Dark Knight DC universe for some reason. Because uh, uh, let's face it, Batman is barely in this fucking book titled Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out... Being dropped in a Lazarus pit is the last thing he would have wanted. Well, let's let's get to the character points in a minute. I'm just trying to think. Okay. Larger scale, right now DC is betting the farm and winning on the idea that people wanted a rebooted DC universe based on the idea that comics got too dark in the mid eighties. Yes. So they're going front and center with no Watchmen was the problem. Watchmen was the trigger, but dark Knight returns is at least as responsible, if not more responsible than Watchmen for the late eighties, early nineties, dark age of comics. Yeah. No, that's it's you know Watchmen had pastiche versions of third rate superheroes that mostly just talk to each other. There are only like two or three action sequences in all of Watchmen. Whereas Dark Knight Returns had Batman breaking the Joker's neck. Right. Um, yeah. Plus, <laughs> yes. the first time that I remember ever seeing anybody use extraneous thigh pouches, Dark Knight Returns won. <laughs> when Batman uses the rifle to swing from Two-Face's helicopter. So if there's a clearer sign of where the Dark Age came from than fucking thigh pouches, I'm not sure what it is. So Even Miller can draw feet. I'm looking at the mini comic. <laughs> there you go. With toes and everything. So it's it just it seems like a weird thing for DC to double down and be like, we want more stories in this universe. Whereas it, out of the other side of their mouth in all their main books, it's like, but this is the problem. Yeah. The fact that we did this is the problem, but we want more of it. It, just, it seems very weird and counterintuitive to me. My question is, Miller's not going to live forever. So if they're really trying to make this a thing now that they've... Um, de-aged Bruce Wayne for this Dark Knight universe. Are they also in the process of putting together some sort of Photoshop or GIMP filter that's got shaky cam to drop over other people's artwork to make it look like Miller's? <laughs> no, you just take everybody's uh, fine point pens away. Or, or you ask them to draw in Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah, you just you, you clamp a uh, you clamp a gyroscope on the back of a thick point pen. Spirograph. <laughs> there you go. It's an automatic Miller. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Uh, so uh, seriously, I, I, I can't understand the logic behind it. It, it. Just with the way they've doubled down on the other side of, no, this has been a, the problem. But No, set it up so we can do more of this. And uh, number two, uh, all it is is a meaner, more pissed off, more violent, regular DC universe. Yeah, you know, it is. With, you know, Frank Miller designed costumes. Yippee. <laughs> Flash wears shorts. Cool. I don't know. Was Zack Snyder asking for more spank material? Is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Zack has an insatiable need. It's like a bottomless pit. <laughs> he consumes and consumes. <laughs> All right. So yeah, just why they're doing this, I'm, I'm having a problem getting my head around. Now to to go back to it, and yes, putting Batman in a Lazarus pit. You were you were making a point on that. So let's, well, let's talk just, about that for a minute. Batman's overriding thing is. It, if he's going to die and he's he doesn't mind getting killed in the course of fighting crime, it has to be a good death. Correct. And so to then go out of your way and pull a Buffy season fucking five opening of season six and be like, nope, you're not dead. 
invalidates that sacrifice. It, it disrespects that sacrifice. It does. The only thing I can possibly put on its side is... Did Marty Noxon have a hand in this? <laughs> Get your hands off naked Batman, Marty Noxon. <laughs> the, the only thing I can think of is we've not seen Bruce fully recover from the Lazarus pit, so there could be something interesting in how he recovers from that. Maybe he comes back broken. To use Buffy parlance, he comes back wrong. Yeah. I don't see any indication that they're going to go that way, but it's a possibility. And uh, look, I read eight issues and eight months of Civil War II. I can have hope in my heart, same as anybody. The only possible thing I can see with this is we've got um, the the group of, of radicals that have killed all of the normal people in Kandor and now are just out being Kryptonians on the earth with their right. superpowers. Yeah. Uh, that Superman's and Wonder Woman's daughter have fallen in with and seemingly become radicalized by. Yes. That they see no other way out other than the greatest tactical mind on the planet, which is Batman, to somehow defeat the Kryptonians because Batman always has a trick up his sleeve for being able to disable uh, Kryptonians. Uh, But that was the ending we had in the last goddamn issue. I don't disagree. We already did that. (laughs) I I don't disagree, but that's the only thing I can think of. This fucking book has more endings than Lord of the fucking Rings. (laughs) It should have ended in the last issue. Yep, you beat him back, Batman. Good for you. It's Yeah. Putting Batman into a Lazarus pit to make him young might make it easier for Miller to write more Batman books, which is a questionable idea to allow him to do. Hi, Holy Terror! But... (laughs) It, it it also, you're right, it, it not only doesn't make sense with the character, it completely obliterates the central concept of The Dark Knight Returns, which was this is the last Batman story. The goddamn point of it was to put a capstone on Batman's sequential story, that this will be a good life, good enough. Mm-hmm. That's the end of Batman. Right. He's now a mentor, he's working, he's doing something completely different, everybody thinks he's dead, but he's going to do this other thing. That's, and... It was a good enough ending. Comics in the 80s went out of their way to twist their Batman stories to include elements from Dark Knight to show, yep, that's what's going to happen. We had the jacked up Batmobile that was in the last issue of Jim Starlin's The Cult. Uh, Jason Todd killed in Death, uh, Death in the Family. Yep. So to proceed from that classic Batman story. And there are people now who say, oh, it's problematic. There's misogynist elements. And yes, it's not a perfect story, but it's still a classic. Yeah. And to take that and in its own universe, make Batman young again, just to sell a few more fucking comics so that Miller doesn't have to spend the rest of his life on the convention circuit. I'd rather send Frank a fucking check. Well, you know, Azarello has a piece of this now. So (laughs) yeah. And he'll pay for it. Yeah, it's and it's too many endings. It was a perfectly good ending last time. Fine, it's it turns Dark Knight on its head. Superman has Batman style armor to fight the Kandorians, and <laughs> that's, it would have been fine. The, the, the only reason you keep going is to set stuff up so you can sell more fucking Frank Miller Batman books, and we don't need them. We don't need them. And as much as I'm kind of interested in seeing um, the outcome of the battle that they're they're implying is about to take place between the Amazons and the Kandorans. Unless the Amazons win, (laughs) I'm not really, 
it seems like an excuse to have a lot of violence between a radicalized element and and some women. <laughs> uh, look, so we're seven issues in, and I'm not counting anything from Dark Knight Strikes Again because I try not to. But <laughs> I don't give a flying fuck at a rolling donut about Lara. I don't care if yeah. she's redeemed or if she stays with the Kandorans. I don't care what she does. So yeah, this battle looks like it might be interesting. Amazons versus Kandorans. Great. Fine. Just kill Lara. Get her the fuck out. <laughs> I'm done with her. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, and we don't need to bring back Bruce from the, the brink of death because Carrie Kelly needs a daddy figure. It seems to me that that could be handled in some other way. She doesn't need a daddy figure. She's gone from Robin to Catwoman to Batgirl. Yeah. She has graduated. Let her take control if you but you know we can't do that cuz people are going to want Batman and their Dark Knight stories. I, I yeah. get that. You know, it, oh, and Miller's just always beating the gong that Superman's inferior to Batman. Mm-hmm. And you know, just like here where Superman turns his back on everything to save Batman. It's okay, the battle's done. I got to save Batman. It's probably cuz he knows he's too much of a fucking rube to beat back the Kandorans on his own. That's what I was saying. Like it, the only thing I can think of yeah. is he somehow feels he needs Bruce's brain. Well, duh, he needed Batman's suit to fucking do it in the last issue. Yeah. So and this would be a revolutionary viewpoint on Batman, provided it's 1986 and there's no Roman numerals in the fucking title. <laughs> we already know that's how Miller feels about Superman. He's inferior to Batman. We get that. Yes. So it's, this is just such a weird book, and it feels cynical, and it goes against the grain of everything else DC has been doing right with Rebirth, and I can't get why they're doing it. I'm worried that they're, that they're considering the whole, like, how, how do I turn my dick into a balloon animal? Like, you know, can I stomp on it <laughs> just enough? <laughs> yeah, it's and unlike Civil War, this is not this is not a series I want to completely turn my if if nothing else, there was one great moment in this series. Not in this issue. You can throw this fucking issue out. <laughs> Doesn't do anything for me. But in, I think it was the third issue when the Kindorans set up the deadline for the human race to surrender and Batman takes over all the trans transmissions on mm-hmm. earth. And it's a big splash page of Batman on a giant television, just saying, go to hell. Yeah. So, all right, that's an old school Batman dark Knight moment. Yes. I don't want to say that redeems the, the other seven <laughs> issues, but it's like, all right, there's, there's at least something to this, but now we're at the point of, Okay, you really kind of resolved this a while ago, and we're stretching. And I really think you just want to set up a. The mini comic really tipped it off for me in this one. It's you're not going to use Green Lantern right now, I don't think. No. So you're bringing him back to have a Green Lantern, and why do you even want a Green Lantern? We learned from All Star Batman and Robin, not to mention. Frank himself saying at Boston Comic-Con in his panel, yeah, I thought Green Lantern was an idiot, so I wrote him that way. He's a dope. He doesn't know shit. So why do you bring that character back? Because you want a Justice League in the Frank Miller Dark Knight That's universe. That's what it seems like. So it just it feels cynical. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you have a bunch of radicalized Kandorans that wipe out all the Amazons, then Wonder Woman's going to have nothing else to do, so she goes back to the Justice League. I guess... So, yeah, they're setting up perfectly to do full Dark Knight Universe Justice League stories, which would be great if anybody fucking wanted those. And I don't think they do. If they did, we'd have read about it in Wizard Magazine after Dark Knight Strikes Again. Yes. Or All-Star Batman and Robin, which were two stories that tried to expand the Dark Knight Universe and its Justice League that purely by coincidence nobody wanted to fucking read. 
But no, please tell us how Watchmen was the one that set us down a dark path. Well, <laughs> Dark Knight Strikes Again sent us down a cynical path of, oh, no, Frank, who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> and th- this is part of my problem. I hate to officially say this is not working for me anymore. It's not working for you anymore. <sighs> yeah, but I'll, I'll keep reading it. It's, uh, I'll, just in case somebody can pull out a Hail Mary at the end. It never happens. No. But sometimes, so eventually somebody has to do it. Somebody will have to come up with a thing where it's like, wow, you really redeemed this in the last issue. There's some 16-year-old that's having a wow moment over this book the way that you did over the first one in the 80s. I can't believe that. There, it's not even apples to apples. We were at the Miller Azzarello panel. I was one of two girls in the room. The majority were young men and men from about ages 12 and up. That is true. That were there because they were fawning Miller fanboys. I'm a Miller fanboy up to about 1995. <laughs> like we we make fun of of the stereotype on the show, but it it was happening in front of my eyes. Mr. Miller, you're really awesome. Can you tell me how you get to be so awesome? Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be awesome like you someday. <laughs> it's uh, look, I will go back to his Daredevil work, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, most of Give Me Liberty, hmm. Sin City, up to a point of just being classic comics, particularly of the time. Yes. Does it all hold up? No, it doesn't. Can I believe that there's anybody out there who has worn down the corners of their copy of Holy Fucking Terror? I can't believe that. Not on this coast. <laughs> Which coast? I don't think on either of the coasts, but I think it probably spoke to a particular demographic in our country. Uh, I I guess, but it, it shouldn't even be on the same shelf as Dark Knight. I don't disagree, And but I'm not the demographic that it was written for. And same thing with Dark Knight Strikes Again. Of, of all of them, All-Star Batman and Robin, I have developed this certain soft spot for because I think I get what he was doing. And as a prequel, I was better with it than, okay, and let me lay the groundwork so I can just keep doing it. Yeah. The choice to bring, to, to put Bruce Wayne in the fucking Lazarus pit yeah, just doesn't make sense to me, except to sell books of the type that Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio are implying, oh, no, we that's where we started to go wrong. I would like my cake, and then I would like to also be able to eat my cake. This has been a weird episode in that normally we try to find stuff that that we're at least somewhat positive about. Everything was kind of a loser this week. I I guess I like Thunderbolts. Okay. I like Thunderbolts. Uh, The first issue of uh, the new Hulk. Uh, Yeah. Even that. No, it's there was too much, uh, too much tease. I liked it better than you did. I'm, I'm going to give it three issues just to see how it teases itself out. It was a slow ramp up, but the idea of a more psychological Hulk story appeals to me. Okay. Yeah. It's at the conclusion of uh, the victim syndicate, mm. except for the <laughs> Watchmen references. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. But, yeah. When it comes to the show, it's usually, oh, let's, let's try to find something we like. But the problem is the big stuff this week. <laughs> Damien sent himself back to Raza Ghoul. 
in, Dam- in Teen Titans. Damien didn't send himself far enough back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose, it, hey, end of 2016. We'll have an actual fresh start next week. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Anything else or should we wrap this up? I think we can wrap it up. All right. We'll be more positive next week. Although uh, next week may be the crises of wars where we look back on. Or it may not be. We there, may. Were some, <laughs> there were some very good books last year that I'm more than happy to talk about. But once we get to the negatives, uh, <sighs> we probably just went through them today. All right. Screw it. We'll wrap it up. Okay. So don't know where you found this particular episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. I've been trying to do a little bit more there. Clearly things have been busy, but mm. we certainly get messages through there. If you want to reach us, it's facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. We are on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at infinite midlife. Did I got that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, I screwed up about one time out of every five. That's all right. And it's been a couple <laughs> weeks since the show, so it's not fresh in my memory. The phone just goes there. That's all I know. We are on Tumblr. Uh, you can get us there, crisis on infinite midlives.tumblr.com. Uh, you can get us on iTunes. And you can. Yes, if that's how you uh, get your podcast, you can certainly subscribe to us through there. Or you can, uh, if you get a minute, give us a rating, uh, give us a review. It will help new people find the show, which is always fun. It is. Uh, you can get us on Google Play. You can get us on TuneIn Radio, uh, on Stitcher Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think that is everything. I think so. All right. So this has been episode 138 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. I think I need a Lazarus bit. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do. It's going to be the name of the, when I open a brewery, Rob's Lazarus bit beer. <laughs> I mean, it's no fine Berkshire Brewing Company steel rail pale. <laughs>